Our Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise, give you glory. We worship and exalt your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for from you comes all good things. Life comes from you. Righteousness comes from you. Healing comes from you. Strength comes from you. Power comes from you. Everything that is good and perfect comes from you. Knowledge comes from you. We trust you tonight, Lord, that you will envelop us in your love and your mercy and give us revelation in the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we go straight away to our topic, Weapons of our Warfare, part 10. And so Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This, this particular verse brings out something very important. As Paul was concluding his uh, writings on, on spiritual warfare, he said Christians ought to be praying always with all prayer. All prayer. Different type of prayer that the Holy Spirit revealed to the church that we should be praying as the occasion demands as the Holy Spirit inspires them. And so he said we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And conjunction connects this and this. So I'm not done. And the second thing, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And watching, being careful, persevering, and praying in supplication for all saints. So you pray in supplication for yourself, pray in supplication in the spirit, you pray in supplication for all saints. We are going to touch on that. But before we go to that, I want to go back and touch on something that we taught before so that people will also understand it better. It's about pleading the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to touch on that. The, the word plead, the dictionary meaning of the word plead is to make an emotional appeal. Well, that's not the context in which you plead the blood of Jesus. Now, the second dictionary meaning of the word plead is to present and argue for a position, especially in court or another public context. This is dictionary meaning of the word plead. Now, it's not to plead. It's not that you're begging the devil. That's not the context. Pleading the blood of Jesus is in the second context. Now, to illustrate it for you so you get it well, in the United States of America, there is a popular thing we do. They call it pleading the fifth. Pleading the fifth gives you the privilege of not saying anything that will incriminate you in court. You say, I'm not saying anything. You have a right not to say anything that will incriminate you in any court of, 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 of the U.S. You have a right to say, I'm not saying that. So when the cops pull you over or there's an interrogation, you can say, I plead the fifth. It is the fifth amendment of the United States Constitution. You are not begging. You are making a statement of position. That's what pleading means. I plead the fifth is that I'm making a statement of position that you can't force me to, to do this because I'm protected by the fifth amendment that gives me the privilege not to incriminate myself by what I say. So you say, we say we plead the fifth. Even in congregational uh, 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 interrogations, you can plead the fifth. It, it protects you. So it's in the same way you plead the blood of Jesus. You are taking your position and saying, I plead the blood like you plead the fifth. You are saying, no, you can't put this on me because my position is that the blood of Jesus has redeemed me from you. So when you say I plead the fifth, you are not begging. You are making a case. You are presenting an argument on your behalf why this position is, what is, your, is your rightful position. So the same way when you say you plead the blood of Jesus, you are making an argument, you are making a case against the devil. 
and say, you can't do this because the blood redeemed me from your power. My sins are forgiven. You have no grounds to do that. So the same way you are protected by the Constitution, the same way the truth of the Word of God protects you, and the blood protects you. Because it's a legal right that you have. Again, the scripture said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It didn't say let the redeemed of the Lord keep quiet. You say so. Because Christianity is called a profession. The word must be in your mouth. You say so. Now, if I can say so, so how am I redeemed? I'm redeemed, Ephesians 1, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So if I can say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Then I can say, I can plead the blood. Which also means pleading my redemption. Because it is through the blood I got this redemption. So you can plead the blood of Jesus. It's totally biblical. It is totally correct. If you understand the context and the truth behind that. But if you are pleading because that's what the people are talking about and you get fearful, it's the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. It won't work for you. Because it has to be by faith in understanding what this blood has done. It checked out the power of the devil in your life. Because it washed away your sins. You are redeemed, redeemed, set free through that blood. So, as you plead the fifth, you too can plead the blood. And stake your stand that because of this blood, devil, you, don't have, you can cross it. I'm protected by the provisions of the blood. So that's about pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. I just wanted to make that clearer for people. Now, praying with all prayer, supplication. It says, the Bible says we need to pray with supplication. Now, the word supplication is the word that is used more than intercession in the Bible. But you won't hear it being mentioned in most churches. The, the word that is used mostly is intercession. Now, because we don't go to Scripture to find out what the Scripture says, we just flow with the crowd. The Scripture mentions about praying with supplication for saints. It didn't say you intercede for saints. Read your Bible. There is nowhere the Bible says you intercede for saints. You say you pray with supplication for saints. Now, what is praying with supplication? It's a prayer, a heartfelt prayer, a passionate prayer that comes from the deepest part of you, your spirit. You have your body, soul, and spirit. Comes from the deepest part of you, your spirit. That's why I say pray in the spirit, not in your flesh. Not in your flesh. Because flesh will profit you nothing. In the flesh, it's a mindless thing. You just mouth, you know, just fulfill all righteousness. That won't work. You pray, you, you pray with supplication in the spirit. You pray from the deepest part of you, from your spirit, from your innermost being. Have you ever been desperate to, to go get something from somebody? You need it. You are there. You are saying, please, can I have this thing? I need it now. You are, that's, you are supplicating. A passionate appeal. That's what supplication means. So, Bible says we should pray with supplication. And pray with supplication for sense. All sense. All sense. The difference between intercession and supplication, I want you to listen to me. Again, you can't find scripture that says you intercede for sins. The only intercessor between the saint and God is Christ himself. And actually, the only intercessor between man and God is Christ himself. But now when you come to Christ, you are in peace with God. You can't, you can't intercede between two people who are at peace. You can't intercede between a friend and a friend. You cannot. You can only intercede when there's an issue between two people. Now, sons of God who have Christ in them, the Bible said we have peace with God. 
So you are, what are you interceding between me and God? Nothing. However, who made you an intercessor between me and God? Christ is the only intercessor. If I miss it, if I sin, the blood speaks for me. You can't intercede for a Christian. You can pray prayer of supplication for him with all your heart. But to take the place of an intercessor is not biblical. Read it again. In whom it is in, read, let's read it again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, some new translations have removed this word supplication and put intercession. Because some of these translators and translate from their in- senses, from their intellect. They don't have revelation. They translate from their intellect. That's why you need to be careful when you read these things. As a, as a priest of God, you can intercede for somebody who doesn't know God because he doesn't, doesn't have peace with God. But you can't intercede for a Christian who has peace with God. If, if you can't come between me and my wife and say, I came to intercede. What are you interceding? Who are at peace? No, you can't. You come to my house and say, Pastor, I came to intercede between you and your wife. We'll ask you, what is the issue? There's no issue. Now. But you can pray for us with supplication. So I just wanted to clear that so that we understand the appropriate use. It's just like the way this word of prophecy is being, is being, is being totally misused and abused. Everything is prophecy. Everything prophecy. It's, that's, not, that's not true. It's not true. Or every thought says the law is not prophecy. Now, having said that, now we understand what supplication means. Let's look at James 5, 16. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Passionate, heartfelt prayer is what we do for one another. Those who are sick, pray for them. It's called supplication. The Bible, King James called it effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. That's supplication. That's what you can do for all sins. Deuteronomy 4.29 But if from tense thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. This is giving uh, an, an idea about what it means to pray with supplication. It's with all your heart, with all your soul. Again, let me repeat it. The word supplication is used more times in the Bible than intercession. Especially in the New Testament. But then, because intercession, everybody goes to intercessory prayer. I went to intercessory prayer. I went to Oh, yeah, you can do intercessory prayer. It is properly okay to do intercessory prayer. But you need to know what intercession means, which means you are praying for the hiddens. But when you are praying for saints, you are supplicating for saints. When you are praying for hiddens because they are not at peace with God, then you can pray as, as they are. They can't pray. They don't even pray. Now, let me take the second thing I want to clear before we go to these prayers. Fasting and prayer. Fasting has two main values. This is where you find one of the values of fasting is a statement of supplication. Where you fast as an act of desire. Where you add fasting to prayer as an act of desire. As an act of saying, I need this thing. And then you start fasting too. But it is not a sacrifice. Neither does it take the place of Jesus Christ. 
Let me repeat it. It is not a sacrifice to God, neither does it take the place of Jesus in your approaching God. It's only you, it's for your own benefit. It's what you do as, 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 as an act of supplication for yourself that you begin to fast to add action speaks too. This is important to me. I need this thing. Number two, this is the place of fasting in all distance. It is an act of discipline in your body so that your spirit can have ascendancy when you are praying. Fasting is for your own benefit, not for God's benefit. It's for your own benefit. And fasting is good. People should fast. It's well, very, as far as you fast moderately and as far as you fast under the inspiration of God and don't fast as a matter of follow follow. 1 Corinthians 9.27 I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. See, you discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. You, 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 you say, I'm not eating for this period. You discipline yourself. You discipline your flesh. Why? The Bible it, it, it describes us as athletes. Now, when you are an athlete and you want to go and compete, you don't eat all the food that is cooked. You will lose. You discipline yourself. You deny yourself some food so that you go there and be light enough so you can win the race. It's the same thing. We are as athletes running the race of life. So you discipline yourself and deny yourself and eat and say, I'm not going to eat because I want to do spiritual exercise. I want to set this time aside to pray so that you run that race well. Because if you eat everything, you sleep. You feel heavy. So that's the place of fasting in all of this. It is not a sacrifice that you say, let me sacrifice this so God will do this. It is not. There's only one sacrifice that God accepts. The sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ. Remember, everything we get from God is freely given. Doesn't need another sacrifice. Look at Hebrews 10, 8. First, Christ said, Hebrews 10, 8. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. God doesn't need it. Your fasting is not a sacrifice for anything. Nor were you pleased with them. Because <laughs> I don't need all of them. Why? Because they never wash away sin. Even the sacrifice of animal. Cover sin. Never gave, never made divine judgment on sin completely. Never. Verse 9. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second in effect. For God's will was to make us to be holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The only thing that makes you acceptable to God makes you holy so you can walk into the presence of a holy God is the blood of Jesus. Is the sacrifice of Calvary. God's plan is to make us holy through that sacrifice. Your fasting does not make you holy. Does not make you presentable before God. It's not useful in that direction. Ephesians 2.17 He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. That's why we come. If you come based on any other thing, you will not have access to God at all. Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. So your fasting, as, as good as it is for you, was for you, does, it's not another sacrifice that gives you access to God. Non, there's nothing a man does that gives him access to God. Only one thing. 
Faith in the blood of Jesus gives you access to God. Let me read again that Hebrew chapter 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. By his death, he opened that way. It wasn't there before his death. By his death, he opened that new life-giving way. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting him, our high priest. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. See, legalism is is not in your own interest. You know what legalism means? Legalism is what people do to please God outside of faith in Christ, including Christians. Preachings that present to you what you do and does not bring you, point you to Christ and point you to faith in him so that through his grace you can do that thing, we produce legalism. Legalism is what people do and they think it will please God, but it is done outside of faith in Christ. Remember, God says, without faith, it is impossible to please me. Now they want to please God and teach these things, which is religious, but outside of faith in Christ. It's called legalism. Which means you bring to God something you think, if I do this, you must do this. None of that works. It has always been so. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. It's what people prescribe that you do to please God. No, no. Without faith, it's impossible. It's totally impossible. Now look at John 16 too. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. There are a lot of things people do. They think that it gives them favor with God. If I do something to get favor, it's no more favor. I paid for it. It's Jesus that paid, so I come and enjoy free. That's why it's freely given. So there are a lot of things people do. They think that God is impressed. They keep on denying themselves things, thinking that, oh, God is impressed. There's, where, where, where's, the, where's the place of faith in Christ in all of that? Paul said, if righteousness come by the law, by what we do, then Jesus died in vain. If we're going to be accepted to God by what we do, so why did Christ come? Why did he shed his blood? We might as well just be going. But nobody coming to the Father except through Christ. Now we that are born again, since we now know Christ, we must stay away from presumptions. All these things that are popular things that people do, but it's not underwritten by Bible. When you, don't, when you expose yourself to those things, you lose at the end of the day. I pastored a long time. Let me tell us something. There are people who sit in pews. They are not serious about the teaching. They are not serious about Bible studies. They are not serious about anything. Finally, somewhere, somewhere in their life, it will fall apart. I'm not kidding. They're doing those things, enjoying, doesn't matter. You know, somewhere, somewhere along the line, somewhere, somewhere in their life, Either their everything fall apart, either their life fall apart, marriage fall apart, job fall apart, things fall apart. Because they've been snobbing the truth and living in their wisdom. And these things show up and their wisdom can't handle it. Tell me people what I know. So now that we shouldn't be walking in presumption, we have scriptures to, to find the truth there. Shouldn't be lazy to read it. We should sit down and be humble and learn so that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes. We need the truth. We need the word of God. We need to correctly understand what God is saying. Or the devil will eat you like lunch. Brethren, he's out to destroy, to kill. He is out to ruin your life. Don't you get it? And he's very patient. Colossians 2.20. You have died with Christ. 
and has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world now. So why do you keep on following these rules of the world, such as you don't touch this, don't taste that, don't do that? 22 truths are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. They may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but it has nothing to do with faith in Christ. It's about me, pious denial, you know, bodily discipline, strong devotion. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. Because without faith, you can't have victory. Faith is your victory. You, look, you can preach beautiful sound about how to be holy. You haven't helped anybody until you, you, until you teach people that this thing comes through faith in Christ. The grace of God reigns in this dispensation. We've got to learn to walk in the grace of God, in the grace of righteousness, in the grace of holiness, in the grace of kindness, in the grace of love, in the grace of long-suffering, in the grace. It's all what Christ is doing through us. Fasting doesn't change God. And fasting does not give you a special privilege with God. Because you already have a relationship with God. You are his son now. You, you already, you have received favor. You are the child of God. You have, God has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. All the blessings of God are already yours only by faith in Christ. God didn't wait until you fast. He becomes yours. No, he gave it to you in Christ. Free, 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 free. Favor is favor. You don't have to pay for it. Grace is grace. It's not works. It doesn't give you any special privilege or anything. Christ is the one that gave us this special privilege that we don't deserve. It's only Christ that gave it to us. 1 Corinthians 8, 8. It is true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't get anything if we do. <laughs> God is less, couldn't be care bothered about what I eat. It don't eat it. Couldn't be bothered. If you do it to discipline yourself, that's okay. If you do that as an act of your supplication, that's all right. The entire Bible, there's no teaching about how to fast from Genesis to Revelation. None. No teaching that you fast for this. This is how you fast. None. Zero. It's not there. Romans 5.2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and enjoy healing, enjoy access to God, enjoy undeserved privilege because of our faith in Christ alone. And nothing replaces the name of Jesus Christ. Look at John 16, 23. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You ask the Father directly. He will grant you your request because you use my name. Because you use my name. Everything's about Jesus. He said, without me, you can do nothing. If you remove his name... Go to God and say, Lord, you know, I fasted 40 days. Now you can do this. He's not talking to you at all. The cross. We come into this undeserved place of privilege because of what Christ did. Verse 24, John 16, 24. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you have abundance of joy. So nothing takes the place of faith in Christ. Now, the early church and their record of fasting. Now, this is the only record we have in the entire New Testament that the church ever fasted. This is the only record, brethren. The only one. And they were not fasting to get anything from God. They were not fasting to get anything. Isn't it amazing? Look at why they were fasting. Acts chapter 13 from verse 1. 
Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius and Cyrene and Menium, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and so. These were ministers. This is not the congregation. These were ministers. It's not the whole congregation. As they ministered to the Lord, they were worshiping God and fasting. They didn't ask for anything. Minister to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barabbas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed, because of this ordination, because of this ordination, because of this work that these people were going to do, they fasted some more and prayed and laid their hands on them. That's Paul is saying, with supplication, you pray for all saints, for all saints. For all saints. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. This is, ordination is not for, it's not for eating rice and, and putting canopy. It's good to celebrate it. But this is, the, this is the real deal here. This is the real deal here. This is the key thing here. It's good to, I'm not knocking that you can celebrate it and dance all you want. But this is the real deal. They prayed and fasted and sought God for the work that God was calling them to do. And then they now laid hand on them. They sent them away. So they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia and from thence said to Cyprus. Now this is the only record. And I want you to search the whole Bible. This is the only record of ever seeing these people fast. And this was not even the whole church. These were the ministers who were fasting, ministering to the Lord, blessing the Lord. And God said to them, now you know, these people need to be, I need to send them out. And they fasted and prayed about the work of God that they were sending. That's what Paul is saying. Praying in the spirit, not in the flesh. Not with flesh. Not carnally, the spirit. With supplication for all sins. For all sins. Now, what did Jesus say about fasting? Which many people quote, and then they dive into the, say, Jesus said, you know, they're fasting. You know, they talk. They talk. Let me read it. You can see what they teach people. Let's see what the Bible says. See what they teach people. Mark 2, 18. Once when John's disciples and Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do. Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. Then, yeah, continue, verse 20. 20? Verse 20, Mark two twenty. Go ahead. Is it Mark 2? You went to Matthew. Mark 2, 20. I missed it out here, but continue. Oh. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then, once they quote this scripture, they say, you see, Jesus said, you see, the groom, now Jesus has gone. So now let us do 40 days dry. That's wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine. Look at Matthew 28, 20. Jesus is with us. We are his bride. He's the groom of the church. He's with us. He lives in you. He lives in you. He's gone nowhere. He's with you. Look at Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Has he gone? Has he left you? Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus is at the shepherd. He maketh me louder in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. He is still with us. He's gone nowhere. If he leaves us, we are finished. His spirit is joined to my spirit. Now we are really with him. Isn't the church his bride? Didn't be able to talk about marriage as Christ and the church. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me. Brethren, the feast continues. <laughs> The feast continues. The groom is there and the feast continues. Brethren, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Table of feasting. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a rich man who throws a feast. Brethren, there is feast going on. The blessings of God is available. There is feast going on. The groom is here. He hasn't left his church. And he's not going to leave his church. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's with us. Oh, they say, no, Jesus has gone. Really? He said that you will see me again. I'm coming. And he came. He's here. If he's not here, why do we tell people to receive Jesus Christ into their life? Why do we, then we are deceiving them then. But he's here. And they can receive him. And when they receive him, he stays with them forever. He's not saying for one week. It's an eternal thing. The groom is here, people. Mark 2.20. Let's continue Mark 2.20. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will, they will fast. But that day, it's not here. It hasn't been taken away. He was, just showing, he was just using this thing to illustrate to them that you don't, you don't fast when the groom is there. It's when the party is over, you can fast. Bear the groom. And then look at verse 21. Besides, who will patch old clothing with new cloth? Now he begins to teach them something deep. For the new patch will shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. 22. And no one puts new wine into old wine skin. For the old wine will burst the wine skin. And the wine and the skin will both be lost. New wine calls for new wine skin. What's he teaching them? He's telling them, I came to establish a new covenant. That has nothing to do with the old. You can't, you can't marry the old covenant and the new. The old covenant is going to come to an end. I came to establish a new covenant based on my blood, not on your fasting, not on what you do. Not on you. It's based on the grace of God and mercy of God. The exact and the lamp of God have come so that you have life and have it more abundantly. Not through your fasting. I came to present something better. You can't bring the old, join it to the new. It will finish you. Look at Hebrews 10.8. First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifice. We read it and sin offering and burnt offering or other offerings of sin. Now were you pleased with them? Though they were required by the Lord of Moses, then he said, Look, I've come to do your way. He cancels the first covenant from John the Baptist, all of them down, all those things they were doing. He cancels the old covenant. In order to put the second into effect, that covenant is based on the blood of Jesus, not on your fasting. Jesus said, you can't bring your works and add it to grace. It will ruin your faith. It will destroy your life because grace will stop working. It will stop working. You can't bring your works, join it to grace. This is the era of grace which I've come. I'm bringing you into a position of privilege you can't work for. I'm giving it to you based on my life, my death. I'm giving, I'm paying the price for you. All this you're talking about fasting can't give it to you. That's what Jesus is teaching them. Don't bring the old cloth and want to tie it. You are going to ruin yourself. Then Paul said in Philippians 3, 7, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So all these things they are talking about, 
Your disciples are not fasting and posted. Others are not valuable. The only thing that's valuable is what Jesus has done because that's the only thing that brings me into favor with God. That's the only thing that brings me into the presence of God. That's the only thing that gives me all the blessings of God, what Jesus has done. Not what I did. None of them. Verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless. All of them worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, because of Jesus, I have discarded everything else. Counting it all as garbage. Why? So that I can gain Christ, I can trust God Christ alone because only faith in Christ gives me all the blessings of God. Verse 9, and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness or my own fasting or what I've done. One of followers of John the Baptist. Through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. You see what I'm saying? Legalism is, is th- things people do without Faith in Christ. Paul said, I've discarded all the things I used to do. Now I focus on faith in Christ alone. Through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith only. That's how it works. So what matters is Colossians 3, 11. Now I'm preparing this and the Lord kept putting me back to this teaching. I was trying to go back to the prayers. He kept drawing me back to this teaching. I said, okay, Lord, if you want it, so let's do it. Colossians 3, 11. In his new life, in this, in this new life, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. That's all that matters. First Corinthians 2 2. For I determined to know, not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. It's faith in Christ that gives me all the blessings. Fasting is good. If you put it in its own place to discipline yourself and as a, as a, a supplication statement, but it can't take the place of Jesus Christ or you miss your road. The key thing, people, is to know the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, to walk in his grace and mercy, to surrender, surrender to his love, be engulfed in his love, give your entire heart to Jesus, and to nothing else, present your life as a vessel so he can fill you with the fullness of his life. This is what is important. He's fill you with his holiness, fill you with his righteousness, fill you with his power, fill you with his wisdom, fill you with his glory. So you can be a vessel of his love to bring people to a living Christ. Leave religion alone. And embrace the outstretched hands of a loving Jesus who paid the price for you. Let, it, let him heal your heart of pain and grief and unforgiveness and iniquity and fill you with his love and mercy that is pure and to depend on his mercy and grace Rather than on your own sacrifice, but his own sacrifice alone. It is not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross. That's why the Holy Spirit came to manifest in your life. Let me see some people who fasted and God didn't look at them and they got mad at God. They really got mad at God. This is found in Isaiah 58 verse 3. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? They were asking God, you are not impressed with our fasting. We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why. God said, I will respond to you. It is because you are fasting to please yourselves. Selfishness. The reason you won't eat is everything about you, about your job, about marriage, about everything. So, did you read the book of James? He said, you ask, you don't get because you want to spend it only on yourself. It is because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers, still working in wickedness. And you're fasting. You still, you still walk in heartlessness, heartlessness. And you're fasting. You are still bearing grudge. And you're fasting. You are not forgiving people. 
you are fasting. You have people you hate, and you are fasting. You are fasting because Christ has not penetrated your life. Be kidding it, Jesus, people. It is because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourself by going through the motions of penance, bind your hairs like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap, cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Because you deny yourself food. But you are not surrendered that heart to Christ. You call, God says, is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Verses. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are, who are wrongly imprisoned. Those you have imprisoned in your heart, you will never forgive. Free them. Let the love of God fill your heart and produce compassion. Let the life of Christ flow. That's more important than you are not eating. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. People have served you, you won't pay them well. You go and get house help, you maltreat them, treat them, and call them witches, and you're fasting. The devil might also, might also fast. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from the, your relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the down, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading visual rumors. And yet you, do, you are fasting while doing 40 dry. 40 days in the midst of that, you are gossiping, destroying people's lives. So Jesus said that when Jesus goes away, he says, see, Jesus said that when, when the groom goes away, then you fast, say he has gone now. You are ignorant. Is ignorance producing this kind of lifestyle? Paul said, all that matters is Christ. Let him fill you with his life and manifest his love. For love is the greatest people. Verse 10. So feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You will be like a well water garden. God said, this is the fast I want. Hosea 6, 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God places love above, above fast. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God, more than burnt offerings. Ignorant people. Cannot do exploit. You have to know God to be strong and do exploit. Matthew 9.30. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The greatest is love. First Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth, of angels, but don't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Two. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains and didn't love others, I would be nothing. You can fast 40 days. If you don't walk in love, the Holy Spirit says that is a waste of time. That's what he told them in Isaiah. Three, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, if I, I, I could boast about it, but if I don't love others, I would have gained nothing. God says, I put mercy above sacrifice. But in our generation, we are put fasting above everything else. 
Now, once you deny yourself food, that's it. God said, no, that's not it. That's not it. You are wicked. You gossip. You tell lies. You turn your, you, 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 you kick your husband out. Telling stories. How beautiful stories to tell. Look, you can convince people, but are you going to deceive God? You can do all you want to. You can bulldoze your way through. Nobody can talk to you. Are you going to deceive God? Are you? Let's not hide with all these things. That's why legalism is dangerous. Faith in Christ will activate the power of God to purge you and give you revelation and manifest the love of God within you. People will love to come to you. People will like, love to hear you. Now let's go into the prayer. Prayer series. Now we'll take only one today. Prayer of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Look at verse 16. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. It ties to what we're saying. These are the sacrifices that please God. Sacrifice of praise, praise and sacrifice of doing good, of love, loving people, those that are unlovable, forgiving people. Forgive people, forgive them. God forgave you. This is what God says I love to see. But you know, more than complaining, we do the opposite of what praise we do. 1 Corinthians 10, 10. Momo, neither Momo ye are some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for an example, and they are written for admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh to stand it, take heed, lest he fall. There had no temptation t- taking you, but such as coming unto me, but God is faithful. So you, you can't be murmuring and complaining. That's the opposite of praise. But we tear towards that because it's a natural thing people do. Complaining and murmuring. You tell it a story, but you're complaining and murmuring. James 5, 9. Since each of you are a part of God's family, never complain or grumble about each other so that judgment will not come on you. What I mean by judgment come on you is so that you don't open the door to the devil to afflict you. For the true judge is near and ever ready to appear. Praise brings the manifestation of divine presence. Look at Acts 16, 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid their stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. God said, I love this type of thing. This is faith in action. People, many would have been murmuring and complaining. Ah, nobody came to visit me here. That church, they don't love at all. I was in your case. Nobody came to visit them. But they, have, they knew God was faithful. He didn't change who God was. And God was, deserved their praise. And they began to sing. They haven't slept. They are stuck in the innermost prison. They began to praise God. Prayer of worship. Admit that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. They were not hiding it. Then suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaking. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. See how freedom came because people were praying not in the flesh, in their, by their spirit. Praying by their spirit. Supplication of praise to God for who he is. Not, not, a, not enjoying the music, no. Coming from their heart, they lifted up their spirit to God. We want to see that thing. When we come to United Prayer, you see where, again, people pray with their spirit. And God was, was able to put what all of them said in one or two sentences. So you can see what this prayer does. Now look at Second Chronicles 5.13. It came to pass, too, as the trumpeters and singers were 
as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For his good, for his mercy endured forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When they praised God with all their heart, they lifted up their voice with trumpet and cymbals and instruments and music and praised the Lord. They did that in one accord. Singers were as one. Their spirits came together. It's not flesh. It's not flesh. Praying in the spirit, with their spirit. It's with your spirit you connect God. The presence of God came. Now, look at this other one. Second Chronicles 20. I think this is the last one I'll give you. Second Chronicles 20, from verse 1. After this, the armies of Moabites, Ammonites, and some of them, Munites, Declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazam Tama. This was another name of Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek. The Lord said, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed. Then verse 14, because of time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon. After he prayed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon. You see what we talk about? Prayer is communing with God. You say something, God's response to you. But you must not look for audible voice. I'm telling you, if you do that, demons will accommodate you. God will speak to you by your spirit through the scriptures you read every day. Even through the teachings of the Bible, God will speak to you. So now, after they prayed, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of them. Standing there, his name was Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours for God, but God. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low. When he heard the message of God, he acted in faith. He accepted it. He bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. Worshiping the Lord. They didn't say, how? How, 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 how are we going to go with nothing? What is it? No. They just accepted the word in faith. Then the Levites from the clans of Korah and Korah stood to praise the Lord. The God of Israel with a very loud voice early the next morning. The army of, see what they did when the word of God came? They started to worship God. They accepted it as true. They were not reasoning it. They just accepted it. Then verse 20, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out with it into the wilderness of Tekoa. On, on the way, Joseph stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe the Lord your God. You will be able to stand firm. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Believe the Lord your God in faith. The testimony of the Holy Spirit in Christ for you. Believe it and lift up your hands and worship and say, God, thank you. In Christ, you healed me. You redeemed me. You set me free. It becomes your worship and the power of God will hit it in. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of them, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. You need to embrace the love of God. At the very moment they began to sing and praise God and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mansar to start fighting one among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon, turned against their allies from Mansur and killed every one of them. 
After they had destroyed the army of Syria, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived, <laughs> this happened before they came. When they arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. The prayer of praise. The prayer of worship. God says in the scripture, he says, I want to read it. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus, through Jesus, a continuous sacrifice of praise. Before I close, I want to read one more thing. So you know that praise protects you, protects your, your faith. It protects your faith. Look at Philippians 3 verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, I rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Once you stop praising, your faith will go. He said, I do it to safeguard your faith. Engage in prayer of praise all the time. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word that has come out to us, teaching us to focus on Christ, put our faith in him. For without him, we can do nothing. And to worship and praise you for all the good news that the Holy Spirit has given us that came to us through Christ Jesus. When we believe his word, believe his prophets, all is well. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.